0: Where Nobody Knows Your Name is recorded in front of Nobody. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. I'm John. And I am James. And James, today we are talking about Season 8, Episode 7, Death Takes a Holiday on
1: Ice. Well, that's not fun. It sounds on ice, you know, on Uh, ice. On ice, you know, like some kind of uh, spectacular show that (laughs) one would go and watch.
0: And this episode was aired on the 9th of November,
1: 1989, James. Which is a, I've got a little known fact about this date, which is a very important date in history. Do you know for why, John? Yeah, it's the date Hasselhoff was sort of dancing around. Yeah, exactly. You know, he... uh, That's how I remember it. Pre- Pre-Baywatch, it was a day that Hasselhoff danced in both Germanys. Yeah. Of course, the day when the Berlin Wall fell. It fell. <laughs> got tore down. It fell. People didn't rock up and be like, hey guys, the wall is down.
0: No, no, but like it, that's the end of our era. It fell. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it fell. Huh? David Hasselhoff, single-handedly, <laughs> swooped out. He missed. He sacrificed
1: missing and Cheers that night. Well, and that is a sacrifice, isn't it? I can't watch Cheers. Sorry, I'll be in. I'll be in Berlin with a little pickaxe. Yeah, good for him. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I
0: tell you, what, James. Another little known fact: uh, this episode title "Death Takes a Holiday on Ice" uh, is also a little play on the a Mash episode called "Death Takes a Holiday," not on ice.
1: Ah, iceless. Iceless. Yes, and iceless. Well, I assume that's because of the uh, writers. Yeah. Uh, wow.
0: Of course, yeah. This episode is written by Ken Levine and David Isaacs and directed by James Burroughs, those obviously being the writers of MASH. Well, yep. as I like to call it, uh, M little star, A little star, <laughs> S little star. Oh, actually, I messed up, James. Yeah, you did. Big yeah. M little star, <laughs> big A little star,
1: it's, uh, big S little star. Did you ever watch the TV show Numbers about a mathematician who... Acts as a consultant for his FBI brother to solve crimes. No, it sounds good though. It sounds sort of Count
0: Dracula. Wait, no, Count Countula. What? It's
1: it's all right. It gets kind of repetitive after like season three. I think there's only five seasons or something. But it's styled. <laughs> there's only five seasons. Jeez. <laughs> it, it, it's styled. Like the title is Text Speaks, so the E is a three, so it could be pronounced (laughs) (laughs) Van Fanforsdick. Exactly, yeah. After all of
0: this fun talk about uh, titles and numbers, should we jump into the cold open, James?
1: Absolutely, yes. This cold open, oh, it's as cold as ice. (laughs) (laughs) David Hassoff's willing to sacrifice his love (laughs) for cheers. Anyway, uh, Rebecca is looking for a new long-distance phone service because of bills. Yeah, I didn't mind a bit of research in
0: this, James. I didn't understand it, I'll be honest, but I've got something to read out. The US government had recently deregulated the telecommunications industry and forced Bell to allow its phone lines to be leased to various competitors such as Sprint, MCI, and others, a common feature of TV advertising of the day was non-ending flows of ads advertising long distance phone services. I don't quite know what that meant, but it sounds intense and expensive.
1: From what I can gather, there was a government decision that was made, which meant that there was almost an opening or an explosion of the market. And as such, there were more companies trying to advertise their services. Well, anyhow, Rebecca's saying she needs to find a new service because Cheers' is phone
0: line on long-distance calls, expensive, James.
1: Yep, yep, yep.
0: And uh, who's calling all these long-distance places? <laughs> well, this is a thing. Norm says he's got a bit of a trick. Just use the Cheers phone. And they queue to Cliff, who's having a lovely phone call with Ma. And this surprised me, James, because Ma is in an unexpected location, I'd say.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have placed her there. Yeah. Uh, she's off in Tokyo visiting Evan Drake. Yeah. <laughs> we can only assume, yeah. And we get, like we know we know of no other character in Shears who's in Tokyo must be visiting Evan Drake. What other reason does she have to go there? It's, yeah, it's a weird one,
0: but I guess they had a toss-up where they were like, now Cliff needs to be calling someone long distance. Tokyo is far, but Cliff wouldn't call anyone
1: else other than his ma, so I guess we're gonna have to go with that. I guess that's what's happening. What what you <laughs> What do you think, David? Yeah, Ken, I think that's what, think that's what we'll have to do. All right, put it down. Done.
0: <laughs> it's uh, strange that my mind jumped to David Hasselhoff still.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this episode guest-written by, uh, <laughs> by David Hasselhoff.
0: But then uh, there's a lovely little visual gag where Rebecca takes the wire to the phone and literally cuts it off with a knife, I'm pretty sure. Big old kitchen
1: knife. Yeah, you see that that's behind the bar, but... Uh, limes for big old limes limes and lemons cutting oranges because they're bigger than lemons just general citrus knife big old grapefruit that's <laughs> <laughs> the this, this grapefruit knife is that one yep
0: i think that brings us into the main part of this episode james a fairly I'd... short cold open to allow optimal time for a meaty episode i'd say
1: yes I think it's worth noting before we go in that Ken Levine and David Isaacs received an Emmy nomination for Best Writing in a Comedy Series for this episode. Uh, And as this episode goes on, I I think we could see why. So that's a little tease for your listeners out there.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. But
0: before we get into uh, maybe some surprises in this episode, we kick off with Sam talking to uh, another Red Sox uh, baseball player. Uh, initially, I was like, oh, I better research this baseball player. Not a real baseball player, is it? No, f- not f- a real fictional? baseball player. Yeah, it doesn't exist. It plays out as if it probably was a guest spot,
1: but it, it's not. <laughs> it is a well known person, though, but mostly known for their voice work, which we'll go into.
0: Uh, and this kicks off with uh, Carla infatuated with this baseball player uh, yes. who, is, who is
1: called Dowell Mead. Which is funny. I think it's funny because there is a baseball player called Darryl Strawberry, which you probably heard of, John. I didn't know that. He was in that Simpsons episode where they played baseball. I think he was oh. the one whose head inflated. He yeah. <laughs> was too busy that, over there to do this.
0: That, that must have been yeah. I mean, different times, obviously, but you know, we can only yeah. assume. Uh, yes. But uh, Kevin Conroy, who uh, plays Daryl Mead, uh, was actually a classmate in
1: Juilliard of Kelsey Grammar's. Little, yeah, little known that, fact there? That is a little known fact, yeah. I wonder what hijinks they got up to over at Juilliard.
0: Uh. <laughs> we can only assume the shenanigans. Oh, that's the show I'd watch. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Carla's infatuated with him and uh, goes over to talk to him. Uh, but before she does, expresses with Norm that it's the sort of downsides of, of being in a marriage that she can't act on this opportunity, I guess.
1: Hmm, Yeah.
0: Oh, marriage, what are you, what are you like? <laughs> she says she's married with none of the benefits because her husband, Eddie, uh, works away, is barely in touch. Uh, does she cite that he doesn't actually get paid that much as well
1: as part of this? I think
0: she implies it, yeah. There's definitely a, a era of unsatisfaction in a marriage at this point.
1: Yes, this is true, uh, which, you know, is due largely to the distance. Uh, mm. Yeah.
0: Uh, And Daryl Mead This person who she's idolised forever Knows all of his batting scores uh, And all the facts about him on the pitch She goes over and starts Talking baseball with him to be honest And he seems a little bit taken aback by her Uh, Sam leaves them too to talk He offers her number She says she's married And he says he doesn't mind You seem to know a lot about baseball, Carla You remind me of my first hitting coach That I look
1: cuter in black underwear (laughs)
0: Yeah, but he could probably spit tobacco farther.
1: Don't count on it. Listen, Carla, you
0: wanna call me later? We can go out and have some dinner.
1: Are you kidding? I'm there. Oh, wait a minute.
0: You can't go. Damn. Why not? You gotta work?
1: No. Gee, I-I don't want you to think any less of me, but I'm married. Why should that stop you? Jeez, you're a pig. Now I really wish I could go out with you. <laughs>
0: Just in case.
1: I don't know when a paper cut felt this good. I'll
0: see you, Sam. And uh, thanks for the tips, Carla. I hope I hit a home run tonight.
1: I swear, if I was single, you'd have hit one already. For when you change your mind, Carla, or, you know, if something were to happen to your husband. Perhaps.
0: And I thought this was going to set up something that would follow through this episode.
1: Doesn't really come back. No, it's more of a of a setting the stakes, I suppose. It's more mm. of a reminding Carla, well, reminding the audience of uh, Carla's current situation—the uh, you know the positives and the negatives, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. And uh, from there, Carla talks
0: about how absent Eddie is and how uh, how he's about to. They've they've got their daughter's graduation, I believe. It's coming up. Uh, yeah, yeah. One of her daughters. She doesn't remember which. <laughs> she doesn't remember, so it doesn't matter that I don't remember. Yeah, <laughs> that's coming up, and she's expecting Eddie to back out. They do receive a phone call that cheers, and it is uh, an excuse from Eddie, which Carla takes on the phone.
1: Worth mentioning, you mentioned briefly the the, the financing aspect. Fraser uh, comments that ice show craze in America never recovered from the loss of Frick and Frack which I thought was a nice little reference.
0: I'm not sure how deep a nod that was at the time, but obviously I imagine we had to do some research for that. Did you have to?
1: So they stopped in the mid-50s. They were an ice skating comedy duo. Think uh, Abbott and Costello or Laurel and Hardy on ice, uh, <laughs> who were a part of the original Ice Follies show from 1937 until sometime in the mid-50s. They also appeared in movies and uh, the names became a household term in many countries. Their n- names kind of became a phrase for people who are indistinguishable. And we've noticed this, John, for about a year. I'm sure we don't look alike, John and John and myself, <laughs> but I'm sure people called us by the other's name for the better part of a year.
0: We well, Maybe we're modern day frickin'
1: and frack. Uh It also refers to people who are oafish or inept. So maybe. sounds about right now that you
0: mentioned it It suits us pretty well (laughs) i'll grab my skates (laughs) one thing i did forget to mention was uh carla did get the name and number of this uh of course she had the name but she got the number of this baseball player and entrusted it to rebecca to look after i said already he doesn't come back this episode maybe there's some hope down the line
1: yes she says if I ever ask for it you know just just don't give it to me no matter how much I uh, beg and Rebecca goes okay and Carla goes just make me sure I gave you the right piece of paper and Rebecca goes oh here you go and Carla goes no I told you stop uh, <laughs> but
0: anyhow James we, we mentioned that Re- Carla takes a phone call and she's talking to on the phone and it's clear Eddie's got a bit of an excuse and it's quite an excuse James
1: all right what's his excuse Uh Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. Right. Well, these things happen. Can't go to graduation, huh? No, he can't. What's the excuse? He's dead. (laughs) That old one. (laughs)
1: What's the problem? Eddie's dead. Let's just say, death
0: doesn't take a holiday.
1: Oh, that's nice. Well done. (laughs) You're a guitar player. This is an odd segue, but you're a guitar player, yes? Mm-hmm. I, I dabble. I, you, you dabble in, this, in the strings. I like the mnemonic to remember which order the strings go in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're probably familiar with it. Eddie ate dynamite. Goodbye, Eddie. No, I forgot the one that I remembered.
0: Mine, mine was about elephants, though, I'm pretty sure. Oh.
1: And, well, um,
0: big ears is the last bit. But anyway, <laughs> Eddie, Eddie's gone. Eddie's gone and it's said with that kind of same abruptness that we kind of said they didn't talk Mm. about guitars though (laughs) now we have to talk about Eddie's death which seems uh.
1: well uh, hmm. what is said and I think Ken Levine kind of cleared this up in his blog apparently there was some behind the scenes drama as to why Eddie was killed off what Ken Levine has said in his blog was that this certainly didn't help Jay Thomas's role in the show as Eddie, but the character of Eddie was already not in the show much. Mm-hmm. You know, it you know it it wasn't that they had to make a difficult decision or you know anything like that. It was like no, we. I think the writers realized that Carla was. It was referenced early in this episode. Carla was more interesting and more at ease when she was unmarried. Mm. And I think uh, (laughs) the severe way in which they removed Eddie from the show was probably due to the behind the scenes, but I think he was going to be removed from the show one way or another.
0: I definitely agree with that. I think Carla as a character was kind of becoming a little bit hamstrung by uh, a marriage. And like you say, uh, Eddie's character has been long distance for a long time. I don't think he's been in the bar for maybe a season, all of his roles really kind of been over the telephone and sometimes a shot on the end of the telephone in a, in a locker room. So yeah, like you say, it's, it wasn't hard for him to be written out. And, uh, yeah, the the reason at the time was the fact that, uh, it wasn't really working for Carla's character and, and the audience appreciated Carla being a uh, single mum up against the world with options and, uh, can be a bit flirtatious a
1: bit more, I guess. Yeah. So they went to Zamboni time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They gave him uh, a death on
0: ice, which I think is uh, slightly fitting within his role as a mascot penguin. He he died saving someone's life, which is quite honourable, but he also died dressed as a penguin. Which, you know, there could be worse ways to go. Um, uh, I think as well at this point, James, we should also highlight that uh, J. Thomas has sadly passed since, uh, Yes, and uh, we we loved his role in the show and, and he's obviously had lots of other work and he has a legacy of his own outside
1: of Cheers. Many years later, I think it was 2013, uh, J. Thomas uh, did pass away.
0: Yeah. So I think all of the comments within here are, are focused on the character of Eddie and the circumstances within uh, his death, and, and how they deal dealt with it within the show. Because uh, there are there are reasons that came out later on from, from Jay Thomas himself about why he feels he was written out of the show. They've since been confirmed by uh, the writers, and I guess we'll get into them now before we sort of progress to the episode. Do you reckon, James?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, Rhea Pullman, she was listening to an LA radio show that Jay Thomas was hosting and you know he kept his uh alternate job as a dj and radio host and he made several what has been uh cited around on the internet as unflattering remarks about perlman and having to kiss her for his role and he said this on air uh james burroughs wrote about it in his recent book oh yeah uh and he quotes that he
0: says that it was uh the the line broadcast was it's brutal i have to kiss real perlman uh, and in James Burrow's book, he says, and that was it. He insulted Rhea, which meant he insulted all of us. He says he crossed the family. Uh, mm. Jay was fired unceremoniously since he was no longer on the show. Eddie also had to go. In our world, you don't wind up sleeping with the fishes. You die a violent yet comical death. He has a way with words, doesn't he, James Burroughs? Yeah, <laughs>
1: to
0: me that is. I a, a kind of, um, to say you in, in the show, you don't uh, wind up with sleeping with the fishes, you know, you don't go quietly, is kind of what they're saying. And I think that's mm. why this episode, I think there's a lot of underhand comments at Eddie as a character and potentially uh, Jay Thomas himself by, through the character, mm. uh, by this sort of uh,
1: nature of punching down at him a lot through this episode. Yeah. Um, once the gang first gets the call, they reminisce quite fondly over him. Um uh, mm. Partly because of his, uh, you know, his uh, career as a hockey goalie. You know, I think mm-hmm. Sam and Norm uh, remember him quite fondly uh, as a goalie. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's always going to be part of it as well.
0: We get quite a nice honouring beginning, uh, yeah. and we do arrive within a funeral setting as well, with a packed out crowd of people from the bar and other people as well. Uh, and uh, Father Barry makes a return. Oh yeah, he looked different. I didn't recognize him at first, but he is there, <laughs> but he starts doing quite quite good. A quite traditional ceremony he invites Eddie's wife to to come come and say some words.
1: ah yes yeah that's that's where
0: it takes a turn because uh, not only does Carla step forward but so does another woman.
1: At this point of the service, I would like Mrs. Lebec to kindly step forward. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I meant his wife to step forward. <laughs> I meant his current wife. <laughs>
0: but this is this is one of the bits which I meant, like. There's a, there's a lot of sort of backhand, not uh, quite specifically written lines, which you kind of go, yeah, they're written for a purpose. And uh, you you say, you hear Father Barry go, now as we reflect on the life of this bewildered young man. <laughs> and you can't help within the context of knowing why he was fired from the show, feeling like there's weight behind those words a little bit.
1: Yes, yes. Again, Father Barry is perfect with his comic timing. Oh, yeah. I, I was... Thrilled to see the return of Eric Christmas. It's always difficult in a show when an actor is fired, mm. uh, either through something that's happened behind the scenes or something that doesn't quite work in a role, and how they go about explaining that within the context of the show. Like you've, I don't know if you've heard of uh, it's called doylean and Watsonian explanations, and basically it means explanation outside and explanation within. Mm the the context of the show so in Fresh Prince I remember they replaced the ant and in one of the later seasons Will Smith goes who's playing the ant this season uh in Star Trek I think they try to explain why there's differences over you like a you know a 50 <laughs> year old franchise and why there's continuity errors and I think they've got to the point it's like we're trying our best uh, <laughs> but, but sometimes we don't know how to explain it you know
0: do you know, I think I think that's an interesting thing to bring up as well because I think uh, as we sort of fronted this as well, it wasn't a particularly hard ask to write him out because his character was dwindling out anyway. But a really good example of how that's went and been handled badly with like a like a key actor has got to be the Goldbergs. Have you?
1: I haven't watched it recently. I've seen clips from it. This is the one where the cast of Cheers showed up for an episode. Oh, yeah, they did. I stopped watching by that point. The cast Uh, of Cheers minus Sam and Diane hmm. Uh, and Woody. Uh, Basically, (laughs) it was uh, Cliff, Norm, Carla, and Rebecca.
0: Yeah, and so they've. Jeff Garland's left the show, but they haven't written out his character, and he's pretty much a key character and they've, they've had very awkward episodes with uh, lines from previous episodes played over shots of like the back of his head when it's a stand in, superimposed his head on top of other people, uh, filmed him from the head down with a stand in.
1: <laughs> Is this? So, uh, are they doing that in a self-aware way, though? No, it's like trying
0: to just get through the show at this point, and they've okay. they've eventually written out his character, and he's died. But
1: there's a there's about a season, yeah. Because then um, the Sopranos spoiler for the Sopranos, but it happens fairly early in the Sopranos. So. it's
0: spoilt for me now, James. I've been watching She Hulk.
1: Spoil. Uh, it's not those ones. Um, <laughs> it's it's a different one. But I think we mentioned in a previous episode anyway. Nancy Marchand played Tony Soprano's mother. Mm. They wrote the whole season, but she died before the season finished production. Mm. So as a result, they reduced her lines in one episode. And when Tony goes to visit her, they, you just see the back of her head. Mm. And again, they put her audio in. And mm. then I think she dies two episodes later. So they had to rewrite things. And the, there was some awkward cover-ups. But I think... It may sound harsh, but I think it adds a lot to Tony Soprano's character because mm. of the complicated relationship he had with his mother. Yeah.
0: Well anyway, James, as we were saying in this episode we hear will the real Mrs. LeBec please stand up? <laughs> <laughs> and we also get <laughs> Gloria. We
1: meet Gloria, his second wife. Yep. And now I've just got the Laura Branigan song in my head. <laughs> <laughs> which is a classic. Um, but I think this,
0: this is a, a probably a key decision, especially in contrast with how we opened this episode, seeing Carla wanting to be with someone else and commit adultery, but mm. resisting that and seeing that not only has Eddie done that, but he's also got a second family. I mean, there's no words, John. It's, it's a shame is what it is. Um, yeah. But it, it offers up an interesting d- dynamic and dilemma for Carla because... What do you do in that situation other than take aim at the other person? And that's kind of what happens for this. And you, you get one of those classic funeral brawls.
1: <laughs> it's, yeah, kind of a funeral without a brawl. By the sounds
0: of it, who do you think the most MVP of the funeral
1: brawl was? Oh, Rebecca was. Rebecca, yeah, <laughs> she, she uh She was hitting anyone, yeah. <laughs> Did she hit Woody? Is that, I can't remember that. It, yeah i think she knocked a tooth out or something uh, i'll tell you what norm uh, didn't care he was happy to sit down have a beer watch everything play out i think you see later that he's, he's a bit disheveled i think what must have happened was someone must have pushed someone into norm and norm fell over because norm was just seemed so relaxed to the whole thing you <laughs> know i think he would have sat it out to be honest yeah but
0: uh yeah uh, quite an I say a nice dilemma uh a well-written sort of little bit. And I think there's, there's a nice bit of conflict within there with these two quite similar women in terms of Carla and Gloria.
1: They're both based on a certain archetype, aren't they? Of the sassy Italian woman. Well, it definitely uh, perpetuates that Eddie has a type. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And again, there's a line from Carla here, uh, which kind of, I, I said, punches down a bit. What do you think... Uh, they get paid a washed up hockey goalie who bounced around from team to team and league to league because he was never any good in the first place. Cliff says these tributes are really something, aren't they? It's an interesting
1: one. Uh, the themes of this episode, I put obviously death, mm. uh, commitment and and legacy, uh, mm-hmm. which is not the first time it's been brought up in Cheers. I think one of the earliest ones was um, Coach Berry's a grudge and you know how one is remembered in much the same way, because it was Tibo and scappagioni was mm. was a. He wasn't favorable. He wasn't favorable within. He that. wasn't favorable, and he was a busy man. There's a lot of questions over how one is remembered, and as I say, particularly because of those uh, that behind the scenes uh, reasoning there. There is a uh, separation between the role and the actor. You've said that some of the lines, you know, probably have a reference to the behind-the-scenes uh, reasons and events. But given it is essentially the uh, swan song for Jay Thomas's role on the show, uh, you, one can't help but uh, remember both the actor and the role.
0: Mm. I mean, we, we do get the fallout of that uh, funeral scene and we see it back at the bar with that kind of discussion continuing and that's where we find out that Rebecca uh, was the, the main been an initiator of some of the fights maybe but we do get uh and like you say about that lasting legacy we do get the arrival of uh Thomas Hayden Church as Gordy Brown who maybe is one of the more positive uh legacies that Eddie LeBlanc has which is the fact he did die saving someone's life and we we get to meet who he put put his life on the line for
1: yes and this is what I think Ken Levine and David Isaacs did well, and, you know, I think MASH as a show exemplifies this to a T, is that they can have quite heartfelt discussions about death, but mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a lightheartedness and a, and a comic element in those discussions. In this conversation it's woody, basically. You know, along the lines of what Dr. Crane was saying before. How many of us, when faced with the loss of a loved one, would stay and close up? She is something. Woody, I think she's still in
0: shock. Maybe I should take the initiative and speak with her. How many of us, when faced with having to talk with someone who's lost a loved one, would take the initiative... Woody! (laughs) Shut up. There's my answer.
1: I think he's trying to be philosophical and wistful and remember someone, uh, and they're having none of it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's a nice sentiment around there as well, which is
0: the rest of the gang are, are quite caring of Carla and they, they want to see her, through her, see her through this. And even Frasier, who you wouldn't particularly bear with Carla as uh, friends, feels the need to step up and try and console her a bit and help her show uh, maybe some of the emotions she's feeling. And I think that's beyond his role as a psychiatrist, but also as a friend, you know?
1: Yep, I agree.
0: So I think that's a nice element this episode as well, to see how, like you say, the gang do deal with this uh, theme of death. Mm. uh, through this episode, because it's not something which gets touched on
1: in cheers often. Gordy comes to uh, the bar. He tried to explain this at the funeral, but Rebecca's fist was in his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) He delivers a note to Carla, um, that Eddie wrote, Mm. um, which Sam reads out because she doesn't. She doesn't want to read it out herself, which is fair. Dear Carla, I hope you never have to read this, because if you do, it means I'm dead. <laughs> How
0: are you, eh? <laughs> I've done a terrible thing. I had to marry another woman. I didn't want to, but I made her pregnant. Oh, I guess I did two terrible things. <laughs> Anyway, I just want you to know I'm sorry. it'll always be the love of my life, even in death. Stay loose, love Eddie
1: yeah, my work is done here
0: you know it's a it's a nice nice sentiment behind it, you know if you're reading this i'm I'm already dead. It's kind of a a slight trope in t v but mm-hmm. it offers the opportunity to have a bit of closure, I guess, and I guess. And I guess that's what this does for Carla because she can kind of close that chapter in her life maybe and move past it and uh, press the reset button, soft reboot maybe moving ahead uh, with Carla on the dating scene. But uh, we also see Gloria ask Gordy if he's got a letter. And the delivery here is probably the reason why he went on for the role of Lowell later on because his delivery of, would you be that Gloria? She says, yeah. And he goes, nope. And just walks away. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's the, the delivery in there is uh, so characterful and well-timed that I think that really set him up for his, his uh, sort of, would that be his breakout role in Wings?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cause he's very young here in Cheers. I think we can talk about the roles of each of the people cause there's not, there's not going to be any more people appearing. Yeah. We've met everyone there's quite a nice cast today. So let's, let's hear them, James. We got Anne DeSalvo as Gloria LeBeck. She also appeared in Angie. Starting over, Stardust Memories, Ryan's Hope, Arthur, Taxi, The Cosby Show, Spencer For Hire, The Tracy Allman Show, Guy, Doogie Howser, MD, LA Law, Northern Exposure, The X-Files, Chicago Hope, Ellen, The Practice, CSI Miami, Sex and the City, Entourage, Monk, two broke girls, and many more. Eric Christmas, of course, returns as Father Barry. He also appeared in Season 7, Episode 2, Swear to God. Daryl Mead, the baseball player, is played by none other than Kevin Conroy, who is most well known as, you know this one, John, Batman. He also worked on Another World, Kennedy, Dynasty, Matlock, Spencer for Hire, Murphy Brown, and many more. His credits as Batman include Batman the Animated Series, The New Batman Adventures, Batman Beyond, Static Shock, Justice League, Assault on Arkham, and many more. And uh, apparently, James, uh, Kevin Conroy was also
0: worked for one of the, uh, I don't know which brother, but one of the brothers in Wings, or listed as uh, one of the co-stars.
1: Yeah, I can imagine he would be Joe. Yeah, I could see that. Joe's the straight-faced one, Brian's the happy-go-lucky yeah. one. Brian's the wildcard. Thomas Hayden Church as Gordy Brown. He also appeared in Wings, 21 Jump Street, Flying Blind, Tombstone, Ned and Stacy, George of the Jungle, Sideways, Idiocracy, Spider-Man 3, Easy A, Killer Joe, The Peanut Butter Falcon, Hellboy, Divorce, Spider-Man No Way Home, and many more. Spider-Man No Way Home, technically, yes, he appeared, but I don't think he did anything. (laughs) I think, much like how we've talked about how the, you know... (laughs) recreated <laughs> dead uh, people in the shows. Spider-Man No Way Home. He was most of the time on speaking sand.
0: He got some voice bits and some archive bits, you know?
1: Yeah. At but least they got a voice booth.
0: They got that much, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, James, one, one more little guest. Philip Pillman as
1: Phil is uncredited. I would have liked a little line from Phil in this episode. What, just kind of like good riddance or something? Because, you know, he's being defensive of Rhea. Well, I think maybe more something positive towards Carla <laughs> would, have, would have been nicer, but... This reminds me of something. I I was going to say, I don't know what kind of thing Phil say, because Phil hasn't spoken much, unlike Al, but what it does remind me of is in the note, Eddie's words coming out of Sam's mouth sound unnatural, right? Mm. And it shows you how they write voice you know each character has a voice each character has a specific vernacular they use and it's sign of good writing or at least good character writing that you can identify who a character is purely by the written dialogue
0: mm. i tell you what james found a little uh, a little error in this yeah
1: i thought eddie always signed letters G. um well mm-hmm Mm, little plot hole there. I don't, I don't know whether he always signed them, Guy, but that is indeed his name. So Father Barry referred to him as Guy Edward Lebec. Uh,
0: when when Carla got flowers from Eddie that weren't signed Guy, she said it was fake.
1: Oh. So I'm just saying. Um, well, maybe Gordy wrote it, you know, as a, as a nice <laughs> gesture.
0: I'm saying maybe his name's Lowell. And they hired a guy off the
1: street to deliver this letter to Carla. Yes. It's all connected, Jims. Lords went on a flight to Boston and uh, put on a suit. <laughs> <laughs> Gloria did not receive a note. Gloria doesn't
0: receive a note, but she does receive a gesture of goodwill from Carla afterwards. Because I think Carla can empathize with her uh, because they're in... A pretty much a very similar situation, to be honest. It's not hard to empathize with someone who you're basically going through the exact same thing with. They've got both got twins to a man they've just found out had another wife and twins with. And I think Carla can empathize with this, but also- She does get one up on her though, doesn't she? She does. She's a nice person <laughs> though, Carla. At the end of the day, she's not going to put a single mum on a Crowded coach overnight mm-hmm. to struggle to get home with their kids. Yes, so she offers uh, to put them up for the night if she can babysit her own children. And uh, to that, she uh,
1: forces Cliff to give Gloria a lift. With that, Carla has the last word. <laughs> you have to deal with Cliff as well. Good luck. No, no. <laughs> to be fair, I think
0: Cliff gets the last words because he is w- waffling on about something—the <laughs> origin of the name Gloria.
1: Which I think he's probably wrong. Um,
0: <laughs> well, he normally probably is wrong. There's a nice moment where Norm says, that's a nice thing you did there, Carla.
1: She's like, no, it's just getting rid of Cliff. Norm, don't worry about it. <laughs> and so, um, she then goes off to the pool room uh, to grieve Eddie in her own way. And she sings their song, John.
0: Yep. Yeah, a touching song. Oh, Canada. And maybe we should play that to close us out until we go to some uh, trivia, James. Oh,
1: Canada. Six ball corner pocket. Our home land.
0: I guess that's trivia time, James, and... Uh...
1: Oh, you're back, Cliff. <laughs> He's still talking about the name Gloria. Can't shut him up. Go talk to Laura Brannigan. Just off you go. But as usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. Daryl has been hitting the ball a ton lately. How? Uh, what does Carla cite as the reason that he's been hitting the ball a lot more recently? Uh, man, uh,
0: I wish you didn't elaborate on the question because I was going to say with a bat. When you said how.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, gosh, I don't know, James. Uh, not dragging the bat barrel and waiting longer on the breaking pitch. When
0: oh, I got that, with a bat, I think half a point maybe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Batted.
0: <laughs> James, in the, in the funeral scene, what song is played by the organist
1: for the funeral? It's going to be one of two. It's going to be either... Something Canadian, or oh, it's going to be the 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 the. Is it that one?
0: He's a hockey player, not a baseball player.
1: It's a sport, isn't it?
0: <laughs> you you were you were closer with the uh, the first guess. It was the Canadian
1: national anthem. Ah, right, of course, yes. Which is fitting. Yes, it is. Speaking of uh, Eddie, what was his goal record in a game against the Maple Leafs? His goal record. As in highest saves that he met.
0: I want to say like
1: 14? Uh, According to Norm, he stopped 40 to 50 shots on goal, though he did let 10 in. Ah,
0: Not good on defense. Not not good defenders around there.
1: Ninetieth percent rate. I don't know if that's good. Sounds good. I think (laughs) that
0: sounds good. (laughs) Although it probably isn't because he got fired. So maybe not. In this episode, James, we hear a little bit about uh, Woody's family because uh, there's an assumption that he's been to lots of funerals because of all the stories. We find out that that's not the case. Normally they're just maimed. But how old did Woody's uncle live to?
1: 103? Mm, how long did he oh. have both ears for, James? Oh, until he was 90? No, was other way around. He had both ears until he was young and then he was had one ear for the rest of his life. Is that true?
0: Hey, it says he had both ears until he was 101. Huh. So it's always nice to learn about the Boyds. I think that should have been a spin-off. Forget the Tortellis, the Boyds.
1: What would it have been called? I would have called it voids. something. <laughs> I <were> the I would... The Boyds. <laughs> That's a Photoshop job for you. Take the boys logo and put a D in it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just massive accidents each episode.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah, massive accidents and strange accents, yeah. <laughs> it's a double part question. First part, where were Carla's twins conceived? Oh, it's in
0: a car, and I can't remember what car.
1: Uh, back of a Datsun hatchback. And I know what the next question's going to be now, I think. Where were Gloria's twins conceived? Uh, another car, but I don't know which... It's a Japanese car. That's not going to help me. A Toyota Corolla front seat. I just remember Cliff's response. (laughs) Doesn't anybody (laughs) buy American anymore?
0: (laughs) Which I thought was brilliant. His priorities really shifted there. He's always, always very patriotic,
1: which I like about Cliff. (laughs) Gloria opens her bag to show items, uh, memorabilia, I guess, to that she has to honour Eddie. Remember Eddie? Mm. What are they? I only remember the
0: photograph, which she believes is uh, Eddie and his nephews, but they're
1: actually Carla's kids. But I can't remember anything else. Uh, the Eastern League Combat Goalie of the Year plaque, mm. the puck he stopped in the overtime win against the Blackhawks, and the tooth that he stopped said puck with. Quite the memory. But that sounds like a fountain cheers if I've ever heard
0: one as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I tell you what though, James, I think that that uh, summary of those items of Eddie bring us nicely to our last call. This episode's all about Eddie's memory, and and mm. I think... One of the things which Carla says is uh, maybe one of the things which is hereditary is Eddie's runny nose. I think it's sometimes the small things, James. That's what I was going to say. Because every time one of his kids got a runny nose, they'll think of Eddie, you know?
1: Yes, I suppose that's true. I have a strange hereditary thing where one of my fingers uh, is slightly bent to the left and uh, all the people in in my family have this.
0: Mm. There you go.
1: And I think that's uh, how we
0: can look at this episode, maybe. <laughs> it, it's an episode born uh, out of uh, conflict. Yes, uh, certainly. Yeah. It's potentially a bit
1: of a spiteful episode. Yeah. I think James Burrow's quote was.
0: I, I think uh, what it comes down to and you, is James Burrow's quote where he says he crossed family. And I think that's sometimes what the show is a lot of the time. It's about family and the supporting cast around it and how they sort of embrace each other all the way through. And I think in some ways there is a sentiment there that, you know, the, the producers, the writers, they did have re back in this, which I think, you know, you've got you to think out sort of externally and say, you know, that's
1: pretty good. Yeah. I know on, um, on MASH, uh, to a lesser extent, if the actors were being a bit lippy, you know, if they were giving the production staff and the writing staff attitude, they'd <laughs> write a winter set episode. And because <laughs> they were filming in the valleys in California, it was boiling, and they just put them in uh, parkas and big overcoats uh, whenever they, whenever they were giving the writing staff attitude. So they were like, "Okay, you're gonna you're gonna be like that, are you, Alan? Right? In, in <laughs> put you in a gonna put you in a big overcoat, sitting around a fire." when it's the middle of summer, good luck. So I,
0: I guess the moral of this story is, don't get on the wrong side of the writers. Yeah, it's don't bite the hand that feeds you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess we can toast to that. And as we do, I guess, uh, raise a glass to Ken Levine and David Isaacs, as you've mentioned, uh, Emmy nominations for this episode. I enjoyed the episode, James. I thought it was a nice one. I thought it was an interesting episode that dealt with some, some big themes which you haven't seen in Cheers for a while. I misheard you. I thought you said on ice one. Uh, (laughs) oh
1: and james we have to pick a a special how special for this episode a a drink well there's many options i'm thinking either something canadian and on ice or something german because of you know that very historical uh event some canadian whiskey i was gonna say yeah that sounds good
0: with a bit of on the
1: rocks yeah
0: we can we can mix them yeah some canadian whiskey uh With a a tinge of maple, maybe. We'll put it on ice, James, as uh, I think that's appropriate. I think this episode of uh, Where Nobody Knows Your Name, on ice. I'm Frick. I'm Frack. We'll do a a cheers to the writers of this episode for that nominated uh, Emmy, but also to Rio Perlman and uh, just the whole crew,
1: I reckon. I think this was a very good ensemble piece, and they all came together for this episode so good job cheers